Hello and welcome. I'm Lori Hardy. Thanks for listening in as we continue to talk with leaders in our community. Joining me is Toby Nelson. He's the media liaison for the U.S. Census Bureau covering Washington State. And as you may know, or like me, not know, (laughs) the census determines how $650 billion per year in funding is allocated and determines how many congressional seats each state receives for the next decade. And we know with the holiday season, census goes back B.C. with Joseph and Mary, but we won't get into that. (laughs) Welcome, Toby. Well, thank you very much, Lori. It's great to be here. So what would you say is the biggest thing you would want to say about the census? I mean, I remember 10 years ago, it's like the census. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think the first thing is just that it exists. So it kind of creeps up on people because it only happens happens every 10 years. So Mm -hmm. just to recap, 2020 this year will be the 24th decennial United States Census. So every 10 years since 1790, the United States government has sponsored a complete headcount of the nation's population. A lot of people wonder, why? Why do we do that? At a superficial level, we do it because we have to. So uh, (laughs) Article 1, Section 2 of the Constitution requires, requires that we have a census every 10 years. The reason that, you know, the framers in their in their wisdom Uh, required us to do that is for the reason you mentioned earlier. It determines how uh, congressional districts are drawn and how seats are allocated in our House of Representatives. So as populations ebb and flow over time, some areas grow, some areas uh, contract, and we want to make sure that every congressional district reflects an equal portion of the population. And as you also mentioned, uh, $650 billion per year in monies flow to state and local communities based on headcount data. And that's not over 10 years but that's every year. So we, we consider the Census Bureau vitally important. Obviously, oh. I'm a little bit biased working with the Census Bureau, but I think a lot of people would agree. So many questions. The first one, I was thinking about this, how we are in a very different society now. We don't yes. knock on doors. Right. I remember when I was raising my kids, everyone would knock on your door, come on in, yeah. you know, and now <laughs> if someone knocks, it's like, wait, nobody texted me. Right. So how, how will you deal with that? That's a, that's a great that's a great question. So, so just in terms of context, from 1793, through about 1960, that was the way that we collected um, headcount data for the census. We would have enumerators go and knock on every door. Uh, Beginning in 1970, we began what was called self-response, where we would mail a paper questionnaire to you, and then you could send that questionnaire back. And if you sent the questionnaire back, you wouldn't get that knock on the door. Mm. But you'd still get the knock on the door if, if you didn't respond back. Now, in 2020, for the first time ever, we are offering three different ways to respond to the census. So in the middle of March, Washington residents will get an invitation in the mail to respond to the census, and they can respond by mailing back a questionnaire through calling a 1-800 number or for the first time ever responding online. Uh, If you don't respond right away, you'll get another reminder, and we'll keep sending you reminders (laughs) until early May, and then then people who haven't responded or households who haven't responded in early May will get that dreaded knock on the door from an enumerator to (laughs) to hand count their household. So if you're a procrastinator, the minute... You get this in the mail. Yes. <laughs> Take care of it. Now, what age from zero from someone just born? Yeah, to... absolutely. Yeah. So that that is a common misconception that children who have just been born should not be counted. We want to count everybody. If they're even a day old, they should be mm. counted uh, as part of that household. The purpose of the census is to count everybody living in the United States, citizen and non-citizen alike. Uh, conversely, actually, citizens who are permanently living outside the United States we don't count, and that's because they do not apply to the apportionment of congressional districts, which are based on uh, the resident population. So we want to count every single person in the United States. So this is not optional. Uh, it, it is not optional. <laughs> the census is mandatory, just like jury duty. So it is 
Uh, we, you know, we consider it a civic duty. Um, I, we think it's a little less cumbersome than jury duty. It should take not more than 10 minutes for the average person to complete uh, their census questionnaire. Uh, if you compare it to um, some other nations, uh, you know, the the two examples I always give are, are Turkey and Bolivia. In those uh, in those nations, the census is an all day affair. There's a dusk to dawn curfew declared. And people have to stay at their homes until somebody comes to count them. So the options that we offer in filling out a, a questionnaire in the comfort of your own home and you have a few weeks to do it is is a little a little less cumbersome. So, so you guys are really nice. <laughs> but we try to be nice, yeah. And I understand you have three offices set up in the in Western Washington? Yes. Yeah, so in Western Washington, we have uh, an office in Seattle. We also have an office in Everett and Olympia. We also have an office in Spokane, obviously not not in Western Washington. And so out of those area offices is where the counts in, in those specific regions will occur. So a lot of us have Alexa in our house and we yeah. people think we're being watched or whatever. But right. privacy is a big deal. So one of your workers knocks on a door and they're like, whoa, it's someone they know. How do we know and be assured our privacy is protected. Yes. So that's a great question. If you do not self-respond to the census and you get a visit by one of those enumerators, the first question we get is, how do I know that the person at my door is actually an enumerator? Because you know, there question. is a lot of impersonation and things go on. Anybody who shows up at your door claiming to be a census enumerator will have a census credential that they will wear. And if at any time you have questions, uh, you can ask them for a second form of ID, go online to census.gov and look them up They'll uh, by their name. So the name will be cataloged in the Census Online Employee Database. You can also call our 1-800 number, 800-992-3530, and that goes to our regional census headquarters, and they'll also be able to confirm the identity of that employee. I guess to the deeper question you're asking, how do you know that, okay, so you've established that this is a census employee, how do you know that the information you're giving them is protected? All census enumerators, in fact, all Census Bureau staff do have to take a lifetime oath to protect the confidentiality of any personally identifiable information they come across. That oath extends beyond their term of employment with the census, so they have to take that information to the grave. A violation of the oath carries with it a substantial federal prison term. The Census Bureau does not share, obviously, I hope it goes without saying, but we certainly do not sell any of the data we we collect, and we do not share it uh, with other law enforcement or intelligence agencies. In fact, we're, we're prohibited by law from sharing that kind of information. I think that's really good for people to know because we're so easily invaded these days, yes. and people can find information knowing that it's kind of its own an entity yeah. really helps. So once we collect all that census data, it is aggregated and released as statistics. So it's not tied to any single person. So it will be the percentage of people in XYZ census tract. The actual original census responses are kept in the vault at uh, headquarters mm. back in D.C. And then 72 years from now, they will be released to the National Archives and and at that point, uh, genealogists and historians will have access to them. But, uh, but, with, but within our lifetimes, short of some uh, major advance in medical science, your, your, <laughs> your individual information will never be released. Short of not wanting to go to prison, if I wanted to work <laughs> for yeah. the census, is that an option yes. for some people? That's, yeah, that's a great question. So the census is the largest peacetime labor mobilization in the United States outside of a military operation. It is the single largest time that the U.S. government recruits uh, and trains personnel. So Right now, we are recruiting more than half a million temporary workers throughout the United States, and including many thousands of workers in Western Washington. So persons who are interested in working for the Census Bureau as an enumerator, and those are one of the uh, staff members who go and follow up with households that have not responded, uh, can go to 2020census.gov jobs 
and apply online. The requirements are that one be a United States citizen for most positions. We do have some availability to hire non-citizens who are legally entitled to work in the United States for certain translator positions. In addition, you have to have a social security number and a working email address. Pay rates uh, range in Western Washington up to $23 an hour. We're very flexible with hours. You can work part-time, full-time, evenings, weekends. Uh, Kind of the way we like to contextualize this is that if you're looking to make a little extra money working part-time for a few weeks, you could earn up to $4,000. So it's a great job for college students, recent retirees, but we're certainly also open to bringing on people on a full-time basis for a temporary. There's no upper age limit. We Mm -hmm. just ask people be at least 18 years of age. Okay. Is there any degree or have a GED or? No, there, there is no, there's no educational requirements. Certainly there's a screening process that applicants do have to undergo. So we can't guarantee that every person who applies will be retained. And there is also a a criminal background check and, and, and other things so that we can maintain the public trust. But We do have an informational session coming up, and so applicants who are interested in getting a little bit more information uh, could go to the Lacey Timberland Library uh, in just a few days from now on January 22nd from 5.30 to 7 o'clock p.m., and one of our recruiters will be on there to answer any questions you have. Now, this is a general informational session, so it's not limited to um, potential applicants. If you just have questions about the census generally, you're welcome to attend. We'll have a short presentation to be able to answer any detailed questions you have there, but For persons who are interested in applying, it's a great opportunity to speak with a recruiter and get some additional detailed information. And again, that's at the Lacey Timberland Library in Lacey on January 22nd at 5.30 p.m. Great. That's just a couple days from now. Yes. And also what, you know, once you're done with this, does this take one year for you? Yes. So planning for the the 2020 census, believe it or not, began in earnest back in 2016. So uh, in 2018, we conducted an end-to-end test in three places in the United States, uh, in West Virginia, in Providence, Rhode Island, and also here here in Pierce County, Washington, or near here in Pierce County, Washington. And that end-to-end test basically tested all of our systems from start to finish. Uh, now, in 2019, which is just this last year, uh, we uh, we began field operations here in Washington State with an operation called address canvassing, and that's where we update our address list because it's 10 years out of date Mm -hmm. since we last did this in 2010. Um, And that was a several month operation uh, to make sure that we uh, indexed every single household address in Washington state. Uh, The census, of course, will continue to count through uh, once we get underway in March, we'll continue to count through the end of summer. And then the results will be delivered to the president on New Year's Eve next year in, or this year, 2020. Um, So yes, at the end at the end of at the end of that, the decennial census will wrap up, and we will begin in earnest planning for the twenty thirty census, which seems like a long ways away. But wow! So you start right away on the next one. We do, and and you know it's kind of interesting. I think a lot of people are under the perception that uh, you know that we at the Census Bureau that they they lock us in the basement of the Capitol, <laughs> and then every ten years they they let us out to go count the population. That's not entirely true. Um, we do uh, produce a variety of other statistical products in addition to the decennial census. So, well, um, like what? Yeah, so uh, like the unemployment figures that are released every month, those are released by the Department of Labor, but it's actually from data that the Census Bureau collects. Mm. Or um, the Consumer Price Index, which is released by the Bureau of Economic Analysis, that is also based on on data that the Census Bureau collects. We also produce uh, the Crime Victimization Survey uh, and a number of other statistical products. So we're actually the, the government's largest statistical and data agency. Interesting. So now you're here in Washington. Is that yes. where you always work or just for this so, project? Yes. So um, so we, we have six we have six regional uh, census centers uh, throughout the country. Um, so the Washington sits within the Los Angeles region, uh, which we're headquartered in, in Los Angeles. 
Uh, for the decennial census right now, I'm based in in Seattle so that I can um, uh, talk with journalists and reporters and editors such as yourself in, in the Northwest, in the Pacific Northwest, because there's such an intensity of interest and and um, need to inform the public about about what's going on with the, with the decennial census. Well, I hope you get to see some of our amazing sites. Yes. Well, I'm from the Seattle area originally. Oh, you so are. yes. Okay. <laughs> so so I'm I'm happy to be here. Good. So here's the um question that I have. What happens with your workers when they come up to a house and it's really somebody that's like, no way? Yes. Uh, well, that's that's a great question. I mean, I, you know, we do train our enumerators to, uh, to be sensitive and respectful of all populations. Uh, we do understand that people can be hesitant uh, for a variety of, of reasons about responding to the census when we train our workers to, uh, our enumerators to talk through some of those uh, sensitivities and hopefully encourage encourage people to respond. Uh, at the end of the day, uh, responding to the census, as we spoke to earlier, is uh, is mandatory. So uh, it is not an option yeah. <laughs> to respond to the census. We do hope, however, that everybody will you know choose to, to respond. Yeah, I think that that's the biggest thing I think people need to know. Number one, it's not an option. Right. Number two, even though, are the questions evasive? Or are they just pretty basic? Uh, so the questions are fairly basic. Uh, many of the questions have are the same that they were in the 1790 census. So we ask uh, we ask the name of the head of household. We ask the names of those people who are living in the household and their relationship to the head of household. Uh, we ask the ages and sex of each person in the household. Uh, we ask uh, what the ownership status of the home is, if it's uh, if it's being rented, if it is owned, and, and a few other um, fairly simple questions. And again, most of these questions are questions that have dated back uh, to a number of censuses. For instance, uh, the race question, we do ask the race of, of everybody in the home, and we've asked that question uh, since 1790. So that uh, when we ask questions consistently over a long period of time, that allows us to see um, big patterns and, and demographic trends, which are useful for data analysis. Very interesting. In fact, that sounds like a lot of the surveys you get from marketers for yeah. products. <laughs> well, Who's yes. The head of the household? Yeah. How much money do you make? And <laughs> exactly. I mean, the one the benefit of the census, though, is that that information is not going to get you on any telephone list or or email list for to be sold stuff later on. So. Exactly. Yeah. So now. You know, this is a new generation, 2020. Mm. So what are you doing about the gender uh, the gender thing? Is that right. pretty open or is well, it? Well, we do ask, there is a question about sex on, on the census uh, questionnaire, and it does offer two response options, male or female. Uh, we do not ask any questions about gender identity. Um, mm -hmm. So the census, the actual questions that appear on the census questionnaire are based, um, are selected uh, based on their need um from policymakers, so there's a, a public input period uh, that that occurs for several years prior to the finalization of those questions. Um, and th during this uh, decennial census, we are not asking any gender identity questions, and we have not in the past. Uh, we'll just be asking a sex question. Okay. And if somebody takes issue with that, like online, or uh, do they have to call and talk to somebody, or what's because they have mm -hmm. to fill it out? And if they take issue, then what do they do? Right. Well, uh, you know, again, the, the questions are pretty much set in stone at mm -hmm. this point, and we do have to respond to what our statutory limitations and mandates are from Congress. So at the Census Bureau, as an you know, executive branch agency where we're ex executing those mandates from Congress, we don't really have a lot of leeway uh, to, to make exceptions or to, to uh, uh, grant waivers to individuals. So unfortunately, um, you know, we do understand that people uh, may uh, have 
questions about a specific item on the census questionnaire. Um, but uh, those those uh, the determination of those questions are decided outside of the bureau itself. So. Okay, and it's it's probably because the census isn't really about that. It's a, about more allocating money than. Yes, that's correct. So we do produce another survey called the American Community Survey, and and we actually conduct that survey on an annual basis. Um, and, and that survey is a little bit more detailed than the census. It usually has forty plus questions. And it drills down into more socioeconomic data, mm-hmm. and and that data can then be used um, uh, by governments to inform some of the more uh, you know cultural and socioeconomic decisions. Uh, the American Community Survey uses a statistical sample, so it's not a complete head count of the population. There's only about 3.3 million households that are annually selected to participate in that, uh, and so uh, data that we retrieve from the American Community Survey can be used to inform um, some of those other uh, decisions that governments make. Interesting. Now, since the minute you came in, anything I've asked you, you've had amazing statistics, and I sure. get the impression you love your job. <laughs> well, you know, uh, for people who who are data people, the mm-hmm. census is obviously the ideal place to be because uh, all we deal with is numbers and statistics all day. So, for those right brain type personalities, I think the Census Bureau is probably a pretty good place to end up. It, uh, I can shoot some more statistics at you if you'd like. Sure, sure. So, <laughs> so you know, we talked a little bit earlier about self response. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and how self-response fares and how it would fare this year. So I can tell you in 2010, uh, nationally, we had a 74% self-response rate. So about three out of every four households actually responded uh, voluntarily to the census questionnaire. We didn't have to send an enumerator to their household. And in Washington state, that number was even higher, 76%. Of households self-responded uh, to the census. Way to go, Way Washington! To go. Exactly, and and within Washington, you know, I should note that there are even some some real gold star areas. Uh, Clallam County, for instance, had an eighty-one percent self-response rate, which is among the highest in the nation. So, great job to them. Uh, there are other areas, of course, in Washington that we do need to work on. Um, Okanagan County and Ponderay County both had uh, self-response rates just. A little above fifty percent. So you know there are areas that we do need to work on improving, and and we're constantly trying to uh, determine how we can modulate our outreach programs to to most effectively reach those communities. And talk to me a little bit about the homeless because you've got mm. to count them as well. Yes, absolutely. So as I said earlier, we want to count every single person in the United States, regardless of of residency status, and that includes people experiencing homelessness. So. Um, over three days at the end of March, we will be conducting an enumeration uh, that is specifically targeted of people who are in, who are experiencing homelessness because obviously they're not going to be receiving a, an invitation in the mail if they're not housed. Right. They don't have an address. Right. Exactly. So over the course of those three days, we will have census enumerators who will be visiting um, soup kitchens, who will be visiting um, homeless shelters, and who will also be visiting um, – outdoor locations where the homeless people are are living or exactly homeless Mm -hmm. camps and 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 other areas such as that so our goal is to um, get a complete and accurate count of people experiencing homelessness Uh, we also have a couple of other specialized operations Um, we have a specialized operation to count uh, performers in carnivals and traveling circuses which can often be difficult to count Uh, (laughs) who would have thought who would have thought um People who are living, uh, students who are living on campus, such as dormitories or uh, fraternities, sororities, uh, they are counted um, through a separate operation called a group quarters operation. And that also counts uh, uh, persons housed in military barracks in long-term care nursing homes. Uh, And then we also have a specialized operation called update leave. So there are some areas in Washington state in which uh, homes have no addresses if you're in a very remote area of Ferry County or Okanagan County, mm-hmm. even some areas in eastern King County do not have um, 
uh, a mailing address. And right, so, it's just like Route 5. or <laughs> And sometimes not even that. Yeah. <laughs> so in those cases, uh, we actually, the first contact that those uh, households will receive will be an enumerator coming to their door and leaving them a paper census questionnaire, uh, which is uh, similar to the way uh, that we count in Alaska. We have a specialized operation for Alaska because some of the geographic and climactic challenges that we have up there. So, so interesting. So yeah. many things. Any other uh, kind of groups that... Um, well, you know, you were, there are so many specialized groups that we do need to account for. It's hard, it's hard to, it's hard Mm. to catalog them all, but, um, definitely the people experiencing homelessness are really one of our, our, um, uh, really on our radar, especially here in Washington state. And you work with HUD housing authority. So, um, the department of housing and urban development does the annual, um, point. Yeah. The point in time survey of the, of the population of people experiencing homelessness. Um, during this last point in time survey, the Census Bureau did collaborate with HUD um, to kind of learn their best practices and take away some of their uh, key knowledge points uh, so that we could most effectively count the population of people experiencing homelessness this year. So so we are uh, we did work collaboratively with HUD to take away some of the, their key learnings and adopt them into our practices. That's so great because they do such a good job. Yes, yes. And what about, I had mentioned earlier about volunteering, and yes. I liked your answer to that. Right. So unfortunately, we do get a lot of um, questions from the public, especially when it comes to counting the population of people experiencing homelessness. Can I volunteer to help out the Census Bureau? Because I really want to make sure that population is counted so that they can get the services that they need and the and the allocations that are needed to support that community. Um, we unfortunately cannot take volunteers. And the reason for that is that the population of people experiencing homelessness are obligated. We have the same privacy obligations to them as we do to the housed population. And so one of those obligations is that only uh, deputized census enumerators who have taken that lifetime oath to preserve the confidentiality of information to which they're exposed uh, will be able to enumerate the population. So for that reason, we can only use paid staff uh, to enumer- enumerate any population and we can't take volunteers. However, um, if people uh, are still interested in helping us, uh, the the counting the population of people t- experiencing homelessness is one of our earliest operations. So I would encourage you uh, to still apply for a paid enumerator position at 2020census.gov slash jobs. Um, if Subsequently, you want to decline future employment opportunities. You're certainly uh, that's certainly an option that you can do if you maybe just want to participate in that earliest uh, in that earliest enumeration. Obviously, we can't guarantee employment, but but for people who are interested, that's that's one option. Interesting. So they can work part time or full time. Part time or full time, um, and we offer days, uh, evenings, weekends. Okay, and so tell us again the website. Yes, that's 2020census.gov/jobs. Uh, and anybody can apply now through the end of February. We're going to be closing applications about the end of February. And again, if anybody has any questions and wants to talk to a recruiter, they can go to uh, the Lacey Timberland Library in just a few days here on January 22nd at 5.30 and get all your questions answered. But that's purely optional. If you can't make it or don't want to go, just go to 2020census.gov jobs. And you have an 800 number. Uh, we do have an 800 number. Uh, if you have uh, questions, like I'd mentioned earlier, uh, if you if you ever have a question about whether the person at your doorstep is truly a census uh, census enumerator or if something you received in the mail is actually genuinely a census, an official census form, you can always call 1-800-992-3530 
and uh, provide your information, and they'll be able to verify the authenticity of any contact you receive. Great. So we've been talking to Toby Nelson, the media liaison for the U.S. Census Bureau for Washington State. Yes. Anything we've missed, Toby? Boy, you've been so comprehensive. Uh, I think this is one of the few times (laughs) that I don't have a lot of stuff laying on the floor that I can actually pull out. So, yeah, I just, you know, we do really encourage people to... uh, to self-respond to the census. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you self-respond, it produces better data. It saves the taxpayer a lot of money mm-hmm. uh, as opposed to us having to come visit your house. Yeah. And of course, you know, as you mentioned earlier, people don't like to get a knock on their door from a stranger. So right. it's an easy way to avoid that. Yeah, <laughs> that so let's try moment. to beat Okanagan this yes. year. <laughs> Western <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Washington, let's beat Okanagan. Let's get, what, 90%? There you go. Awesome? 90% would be a dream come true, I think, yeah. for a lot of people <laughs> in definitely, the Bureau. Yeah. Definitely. Well, it would be really cool if you could come back afterwards yes. and kind of fill us in on some things and how it went, because yeah, I think this to. is important for people to know. I mean, yeah. really, when you think about it, it's history. I think students need to know about it. Yes. I think people need to know it's not an option. It's not dangerous and self-responding will save you a lot of hassle and that, you know, it's good because it helps us with our government and Absolutely. allocating money. Absolutely. It's it's a vital activity. It's like jury duty. It's a civic duty. And mm-hmm. unfortunately, it's only once every 10 years. And if you fill that thing out and put it in the mail, you can feel like you do when you vote. You're exactly. Like, I did, <laughs> hey, do they get a sticker? Exactly. I did the census. You know, we don't have stickers. And that's actually a question I get a lot of. So I think we'll have to put that in the idea file for 2030. Yeah, right. I yeah. filed my census. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much for coming in and sharing today. And uh, thanks for for all that the census is doing. I think this is really interesting and it's good for us to know what's going on. So thank you, Toby. Thank you for having me. I'm Lori Hardy. Thanks for listening today. We hope you've learned something new. I know I have. So join us next week as we continue to talk with people that are making a difference in our community.